And this is the Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast. Thomas Miller back with you, and I've got Fred Dodson in the house. Yay! We haven't talked to Fred for a little while, and I thought it would be good to bring him back. And I saw something in his blog that is noteworthy, and he's going to tell the story. If you haven't seen it, a couple of weeks or a month or so ago, he was on a jet ski with his wife, and something happened. And I'm just going to leave it there, and we will let him pick the story up and tell you exactly not only what happened, but also what he learned from it. So without further ado, let's join Fred in his beautiful countryside retreat where the windows are open, uh, maybe the coffee is on, and we have been welcomed in for another little chat here on Subconscious Mind Mastery. Here's Fred Dodson. Fred, welcome back to Subconscious Mind Mastery. Nice to be here. There's a bird in the background. There's lots of birds in the background. That's the way it is here. It sounds beautiful. Uh, It sounds kind of tropical almost. So you've been in that connection with nature for several years now. What has that done for you spiritually? Well, it's been a hassle mowing the lawn. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, You know, there's a lot of nature here, but it keeps growing. And and I I have a big space here and maintaining it is difficult. That's the downside of uh, being connected to nature. The upside, it feels much, 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 much better than, than city life. I used to be a city guy. I think it's an age thing. It feels calm, and gentle and happy. I mean, just all these birds, they're happy. These are happy sounds, which is different than airplanes and cars and all of that. And when I was younger, I guess I was into that. I was into noise and commotion and turbulence. Uh, but as you age or as you meditate a lot, you, you want to retreat a little and be surrounded by that, which is more substantial and real, I guess. I always wanted to live near the ocean, so I'm I'm more connected to the ocean than the earth, to be honest. The ocean is important to me. It represents flow and uh, expanse. So the ocean has done a lot for me, more than, than the earth. I do like trees. Um, I like the oxygen from trees. You know, so it makes you high. It gives you a lot of oxygen, Thomas. And if you live in a city, you don't you don't get all that oxygen. And I think if you lack oxygen, you overthink and think too much. And you can see that when you go into the big cities. You know how people are all tense and in the hustle and bustle and the overthinking. So I think it's uh, to answer your question. Finally, it's calmed me down. Was that connection to the water uh, unexpected benefit? No, I've always been been connected to the water uh, from from a very young age. I uh, was always into swimming and diving and surfing and windsurfing and 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 um, there's always been this 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 feeling I get when I'm at the beach, you know, even at a young age of freedom and expanse. And water is just between. The physical and the non-physical, it's like an intermediate. It's not quite physical as Earth, and it's not quite non-physical. So I'd say it's my my intermediate. And the, the, the white noise, it does something to my mind. I like a meditation state, 
and the the waves is white noise and that's what it does i don't have to buy these new agey white noise tapes i can just go to the beach you know and especially on hot days i i love uh being in the water it's better than the the artificialness of the the air conditioner oh my yes 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 that was one thing I missed in Colorado was not having the water connection. I've not had that in my life. I've always lived here in this silo around Dallas, Tulsa, or for those three years in Colorado, and I need to do that for my own soul. You're, you've been an inland person, haven't you? I have, and, you know, I'm a water sign. I'm a Scorpio, so I need to do that. That uh, That's going to be next, actually. That is next. Next will be water. water. Uh-huh. Yep. Next will be water. Uh Elevated waters, I, I like even more, but I, I don't. I, I don't like um, shallow waters. They don't move because uh, they tend to accumulate dirt. You know, I like moving waters. So rivers, rivers in the mountains. Well, water's a good transition to this one topic that I thought would be great for you to tell everybody a little story. It's on your blog. You uh, put a video up on YouTube on your YouTube channel about it as well. But speaking of water and jet skis, you had an interesting experience around the water recently. Yeah, I I put up the video so that I wouldn't have to keep repeating the story, but apparently you want to hear it again. Oh, why not? (laughs) (laughs) The video is subtitled, so I can't play it. See, if I could just play it, I would. So you have to to fill us in. I bought this jet ski a few months ago, and I've been riding around on it, having a blast. A couple of weeks ago... We were out in the middle of nowhere. We had gone a bit further away from from civilization. You know, no houses, no no people, no nothing. No cell phone reception. Uh-oh. And the jet ski flipped. And that's something that happens once in a while. If you put too much weight on, on one side, if both people sitting on it put too much weight on that side and you're... you're while you're steering, the, the jet ski might flip, okay? It's something that happens. But in this case, the, the current was kind of like a, like a whirl or something. And, 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 and the water was moving pretty quickly. So the jet ski actually started drifting away. Number one. Number two, it was really, really cold. So, so for a moment there, we were faced with the prospect of our jet ski drifting away. And us in the middle of nowhere, you know, in the open sea, beside the ocean. And that was pretty scary. Should have been scary. Should have been scary. Um, (laughs) It was scary to my wife. I'm just, (laughs) it wasn't that scary to me. Um, It was kind of fun, actually. I was excited. So with me, fear often turns into excitement pretty quick because here's something, here's a, an actual challenge, okay, that I have to use some focusing on. All the stuff that I teach can finally be used. That's why I seek out challenges. So so we had to swim to get it back, and that's never happened to me. Normally, the jet ski stays fairly stationary, even in the ocean, you know, uh, and, and there was this, this weird current, and we had to swim uh, to get it back, and... It was pretty exhausting, actually, and I thought, okay, is she, she going to make it? I was, I was more worried about her than myself. Is she going to make it? And when we finally reached it, it wouldn't flip properly, but at least we had something to hold on to. Uh, and then after about 
20 minutes or so in the water, we finally managed to get back on our jet ski. We caught it. And that was quite a relief. And, um, you know, being, being faced with, 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 with that kind of uh, danger, because it, it's truly danger. There's nobody there. It's just us and the wide, wide ocean. Being faced with that, we, we kind of broke out in laughter on the way back. It was silent for a while, a kind of shocked silence, a respectful silence, you know. We didn't say anything. And then all of a sudden, both of us broke out in laughter, and we laughed for minutes and minutes and minutes. And then there was silence again, and then we laughed some more. And then silence and laughed some more, and we laughed all the way back. And I realized that's, that, that, that's what happens when you kind of break through that fear or that shock. You kind of see the comedy that life is, how fickle and how quickly life can be over, okay? But nothing's really over. It's just the adventures that the soul goes through, that consciousness goes through. And consciousness is into experiencing all kinds of stuff. It's not afraid. It's infinite. And it's okay with experiencing challenge. So based on those ideas, I, I then made that video and uploaded it titled, Life is an Adventure. And, and everything that I, I've taught around it, added that into the video. I added the footage of uh, the jet ski actually going underwater. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm actually glad that it happened because it, it made for some good footage, made for a good video. <laughs> made for an interesting story, you know. So uh, I, I was in danger to the benefit of people uh, listening and watching. Um, some people do stuff like that intentionally, I guess, to get attention on, on YouTube or whatever, but it just happened, you know, and I just happened to have the camera with me. So I thought, okay, I'll turn this into a lesson because it was a blast. I had a blast. Not sure about my wife, but I had a blast. This is not the first water and near-death experience that you've had either, as I recall from narrating a few of your books. This, uh, you've had this kind of thing, this brush with water before. Yeah, that's why there was no fear, because I've drowned before. I've yeah. drowned twice, Yeah, if I recall correctly, you know. So, so there's no fear. There's a familiarity with water. I guess if, you're, if you love something and you're familiar with that, and I say that in the video too, if you love something, it can't hurt you. If you love horses, the horses can't kill you. If you love water, the water can't kill you. So I feel I feel comfortable in water, and I love it, and I love the challenge. Uh, I've drowned twice, come back from the dead. Maybe I'm a zombie. Yes, Thomas. <laughs> You're Pleiadian anyway. So a reaction that most people would have of fear, other than familiarity, what else contributed to you not having that fear-based reaction yourself? You know, years of fear releasing, emotional releasing, which I teach in my books and audios, uh, does that to you. It's, it's expected. You know, if, if, you, if you go into panic, it means you haven't been doing your energy work. This is called energy work. It's what I teach. It's what I recommend. It's what many other teachers teach. And when you do years and years of energy work and the crisis comes, the challenge comes, you find that place within you that is just observer, that place within you that is uh, at ease, the place within you that knows him or herself, 
the place within you that is connected to the infinite, which is invincible, indestructible. If you identify too strongly with the body, the self, then you're going to be scared because if you lose the body, you lost it all. (laughs) So it's really what you identify with, you know. If you think you're the body, my God, that must be horrifying. But, there, you know, in, in the spiritual work people do, there eventually comes a point where you face death. That's good spiritual work. You face death. You consider death. And all, all spiritual teachers talk about that. And, and you overcome your fear of death. Maybe you even gain knowledge of the afterlife. You leave your body and check things out. And you know you're not the body. So there's not too much fear. My fear was more for somebody else you know my wife because um of protectiveness out of out of a sense of protectiveness not out of fear for myself and i realized that a lot of people would would experience fear and nonetheless they watch all these movies you know of, of people in dangerous situations you know war movies people going to war action movies and and they're excited by it and then when they are themselves there like oh this is this is not a game is it this is not just a show but inherently people are fascinated by that because in experience who they are you can experience a lot of who you are in challenging situations so there's something good to say about challenge Um, i've had a very easy life in the last 10 years you know so i i I yearn for that a little bit I, I can understand how people who have hardship and a lot of difficulty in their lives, they don't yearn for yet another crisis and another upset. So it's the space, the general space I'm coming from, as you know, is just uh, all all is pretty pretty good. All is flowing. All is fun. And if you're going into crisis from that uh, position in life, you know, it's it's kind of exciting. Okay, this opens up so many different avenues that we can go. Would you be a coach for a second? Yeah. I have so many people of late who have written in who are facing those challenges. I'm thinking of my friend in Los Angeles who is going through an unexpected divorce. He's 31. His wife left him for somebody else. Another person going through a health challenge. Another person just lost his wife very unexpectedly uh, to death. For people who are going through the challenges, what's the transition phase from the challenge to the bliss or to the peace or to the calmness that you just described? Well, first of all, you have to acknowledge uh, that whether a life goes smooth or is full of uh, wake-up calls is no coincidence. You know, I've, I've observed people for the better part of 30 years now, and it's, it's absolutely no coincidence Okay, and I just called it wake-up call. I didn't call it crisis or challenge. I called it a wake-up call. So how do I stay in a smooth space by not falling asleep in the first place? Then I don't need a wake-up call. And what do I mean by falling asleep? I mean losing awareness of what's going on, what's in my heart, and what's really good, true, and beautiful by ignoring stuff, basically. So if I start ignoring stuff, 
the stuff builds. And if I keep ignoring it, it builds some more. And if I keep ignoring it, it turns into an accident or a crisis or a disaster. So what I'd say to all these people as a general rule is that you stop ignoring and you face things while they're still small so that they don't keep growing until they demand your attention. When your partner has already left, it's it's too late. So you got to check, have I been ignoring my partner? Have I been inattentive and unaware of what's really going on? <laughs> and, you know, uh, even though my life is smooth, every single week I still have to make sure that I've been attentive to my partner because if I stop doing that, guess what? Suddenly there's going to be a divorce a few years down the line. It's very subtle. Sometimes it takes a long time. And, you know, some weeks I have to realize and face the fact that I have not been attentive and have not been the uh, husband that I could have been. And some many people would rather not face that and just continue ignoring and acting like all is well. Um, so the difference is that I face these small difficulties in order to avoid later huge difficulties. I face the uncomfortable conversation. I face the dissatisfaction. I might have a dissatisfaction with her, and I'll express it, you know, um, say at the weekend. I'll say, you know, I didn't like this and this and this this week. And that's awkward and uncomfortable, but it prevents sudden divorce a few years down the line because I'm not ignoring. I'm willing to be aware and stay aware and stay awake. And that gives me an amount of control over what's happening. If you ignore stuff, you have no control over it. If you resist stuff, you have no control over it. Same with the, you know, the financial crisis, the health crisis is an ignoring of the body where the body's telling you you might be stuffing yourself with food that makes you feel heavy, but week by week by week by week, you just ignore the fact that you keep doing it. <laughs> you know, and then you wonder, why am I unhealthy? Or you might be holding worry thoughts for weeks and weeks and months and months and years and years and then wonder, why am I unhealthy? Um, stop ignoring and wake up. Then you won't get a wake up call. For somebody who's down at the bottom of the pit and doesn't have a rope, what's the first rope you would throw? The rope is actually another person sitting with them and paying attention because they haven't paid attention. The first rope would be somebody who's there for them and pays attention. Uh, the second rope might be uh, an honest desire to have a look at one's life, to take stock to write things down, to co have conversations about it. All of that fits into not ignoring. You, you want to sit down and look at stuff instead of living your life as if everything is okay and everything's going to stay the same, you know. Would that person, rather than just drop you an email complaining, would that person actually take the time and take stock of their thoughts, take stock of their actions and activities, take stock of what they eat, take stock of how they spend money? Uh, would they increase their awareness? That might be the second rope. I'd you know, sit with them and, and we take stock of what's going on in their actions, words and deeds, their investments and so forth. And the third rope, gaining, regaining control of their attention, either through 
uh, sports or through meditation or through prayer or whatever they're inclined to do, you know, one of those three. So, so I, I don't know. There's no general. It depends upon the individual case, of course. But first, there has to be an, a willingness for them to initiate and for them to talk and write and contemplate and think. Everything can be solved by giving it some time and some thought instead of ignoring. The main problem, Thomas, is that oftentimes these bottom-of-the-barrel people, they got bottom-of-the-barrel because they didn't take the time to look, okay? So the, the pattern is just, you know, bad stuff is happening, and they do more and more and more stuff to cover the fact up, okay? Let's, let's, let's go gaming, let's go watch another movie, let's go um, eat something, all distraction, all distraction from sitting down and facing what's going on. And that can be done through talk, writing, and thought. And the book that you wrote, The Miracles of Attention and Awareness, and then, of course, the um, app, The Awareness Call, I will never forget when I was just starting to kind of take on the black moguls in Aspen, which is no small feat, by the way. And I was, I had the app engaged, and, and you randomly come on the phone, and you say, where is your attention right now? <laughs> <laughs> and I was skiing down this, tepidly skiing down this, picking my way down this black diamond run, and I have a helmet on that has uh, speakers in it, and it is like a thunderous concert hall inside your head of just beautiful music. And all of a sudden, the music stops, and Fred Dodson's voice comes on just as I'm topping this mogul and says, where is your attention right now? And I'm like, Fred, it's on this damn mogul. Where do you think it is? (laughs) 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 Oh, but that, you know, it is. You're right. It's that constant, and that's the intention of the app, I know, is just that constant bring you back. Where is your attention right now? Yeah, it it starts with a sincere willingness to change for people who are way at the bottom, okay? A sincere regret or or willingness to change, it's like a sincere confession, you know, a confession that what I'm doing and thinking is not working, and I'd like to change. I'm ready to change. I'll do whatever it takes to change. If a person at the bottom can say that, that's half the trip upwards, okay? Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly where I was at the bottom after that second divorce in 2007, 2008. I shook my fist at heaven for a year and then decided I've got to do something different. That's exactly what it was. Let's roll over to this, uh, again, one of the books, Levels of Energy, because back to the scene with the jet ski floating away slowly. I think I told you when I was narrating that section of the book where you talk about the high levels of energy. I had to stop one morning a little bit early and go get out in rush hour traffic to go to an appointment that was about 30 miles or so away. And on the way, basically just by the hand of God, avoided a what would have been a really bad multi-car pileup, and I would have been right in the middle of it. And I knew that that was levels of energy. I knew that was the high energy that I had just been experiencing in the booth narrating unfolding itself in life, right? Yeah. So the protection, talk about the protection, if you would, around 
high levels of energy and maybe even talking about the state that you were probably in, I would imagine, a high-level state when that experience triggered. Well, to feel protected in general is, is a good thing, to have that belief that you are protected. You know, it's a helpful thing because it keeps you calm, you know. And, and some might say, well, I don't know if I'm really protected or not. Is there really something out there? Well, no, regardless of whether there is or not, believing that will keep you calm in that situation. Now, I assume there is protection. I know there is because I've experienced a lot of it in life. Uh, I've, I've written about so many instances in, in which I was protected. You know, it's like uh, if, if it's not my time to die, I'm not going to die. Right. Sure. <laughs> and if it's my time, then I am. You, nothing's so, going to uh, keep you here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so so what's the panic for? It's it's useless, you know, and, and to get the, I guess that would be a high consciousness state as opposed to these people that are always mocked in, in movies screaming around. Ah, 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 oh, gosh. You know, to take it with complete peace. If it's my moment, then this is my moment. And if it's not, then it's not. And I think I'm I'm actually going to know when it's my moment. And I'll be like, okay, here we go. This is exciting. Here we go. On to the other side. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that's even, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even better. Been there, done that many times. Here we go again. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. So... That's a point that Majan and I were just talking about. She sends her best, by the way. She's in on a webinar doing another event this afternoon, but uh, definitely sends her best to you. All right. Thank you. And something that we were talking about, because I know I came into this life, and one of the things I've just accepted, I came into this world wired as a type A kind of personality, high-strung, thoroughbred type thing, intense focus, and often just tight. You, the presence of you is just relaxing and centering and calm. Is that something that was genetic for you, or was that developed? And if so, how on the developed side, what what have you done besides living in a blissful kind of environment to help perpetuate that calm? Oh, that was certainly developed because I'm a focused, high-performance type. I was in my 20s, but I wasn't happy, and I wondered why. And then I realized it's narrow focus as opposed to open awareness and peripheral peripheral awareness. So uh, it's really an easy thing to experience as a one-time exercise. If, if, if the listener wants to check it out right now, I'll give an exercise. You, you put your both of your hands to the side of your head up in the air until you just barely see your hands out of the peripheries of your eyes. Yes, and then you spread the hands out like that. You know, that's peripheral awareness. And at the same time, you become aware of the sounds you hear. Now, you're in a soundproof room, but you'll hear the birds on my side. Being aware of that, yeah. Yeah. Now, that's something different than narrow focus. Boy, it is. Even okay. even doing this in this little booth now has taken my focus away from just the desk and the waveform monitor and that stuff up to 
the whole booth now encompass. And that's, yeah, th that can be doing that as much as I do it intentionally can be deeply, deeply relaxing and defixating. So the tension comes from the fixation and people are fixated in so many ways. And I, I, what we just did just now, I, I, I do that on a near, I used to do that on a near daily basis where if I got too fixed, I just take a breath and open, open my awareness to what else is going on outside of my current fixation. And you'll see that uh, cell phones, smartphones, totally narrow people's attention. Isn't that the It's truth? ridiculous how narrow attention gets on a smartphone because you're just focused on these little tiny apps and dots, you know? Yeah. Well, that's Miracles of Attention and Awareness. That's uh, as good of a promo for that book as there is. Is uh, There's a lot more of that, a lot of exercises in to broaden awareness. I think I may have to go back and re-narrate that one, Fred. I don't think I did a very good job the first time. <laughs> oh, you go right ahead, if, if that's what you think. Yeah, I think I might. Seriously. You did it. Uh, you could do it with more awareness, right? <laughs> do it with my arms out. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Stretch that out. This was another thing I was curious. Okay, so we're recording this coming up toward the end of 2019, getting ready for 2020, turning over a new decade. It seems to me, and Majana is feeling this and seeing this with the people she's working with, that there is a real spiritual awakening going on right now. Are you sensing that? Well, the funny thing is that people whose consciousness are increasing always say that. They said it 10 years ago, 20 years ago, because we always project uh, based on what's happening our, in our own lives mm. uh, to the outside world. So there's others who are saying there's a real crisis going on now, and you're saying <laughs> there's a real awakening going on now. It, it's possible. It might be. I've speculated that people who raise their consciousness enter a parallel reality, of a parallel version of work, Earth, where everybody else's consciousness is also raising, you know? Ooh. So that's the general answer. In specific, have I noticed anything? Um, I am 100% certain that the consciousness of Earth is increasing year by year, you know, since, since hundreds of years, basically. And it's, it's making jumps. So it's gone from... Um, but that happens, that's happening anyway, okay? That's happening anyway. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's something expected that uh, as consciousness raises a little bit, it raises more easily a little bit more. It's like a cumulative. It's like, uh, okay, if you make it to level 200, then 300 is easier. If you make it to 300, 400 comes even more quickly. So things are, will continue uh, to speed up in this way and... You know, who knows where we're going to be in 10 years. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's not stagnant at the moment. Things are quick, quickening, speeding up. And it'll continue to be that way until the whole world is a, a totally different place than it was 100 years ago or even 10 years ago or even one year ago. Absolutely. Let's go back to the water for a second. You're back on the jet ski. You realized you have not made that transition. You know your wife is safe. You're riding back in silence, and then that first burst of laughter. 
for you, what was the trigger in your mind that triggered the laughter? What were you thinking? Well, it's it's kind of hilarious how much identified we are with with life and the body, you know, as if it were a matter of life and death. Indeed, uh, I don't know. I think I think that's what triggered it. The the, the how, how we take uh, life seriously, you know, um, we think it's something really, really significant and serious. And if we lose that physical life, then you know it's all over. But in reality. This life is like a dream, you know, compared to ultimate reality. So I, I see it just the reverse. Uh, life is a dream, and the higher world is real. Instead of seeing this world as as absolute, and the higher world as vague. I, I don't know, Thomas. I I just know it, it felt hilarious. It's a, a sense of uh, realization that. None of this is quite that serious. Important, yes, not serious. Wouldn't that be a a high level, back to levels of energy, a high scale reaction as well? After after being respectful for what had just happened, and then the levity of, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, from respect, you know, and humility to to humor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like where if you were approaching that from a lower level of energy, number one, you probably would be gurgling bubbles instead. Uh, Number two, I think you'd have more of an anger or just a frustration of like, you know, uh, resenting what had just happened. Well, all these reactions on the scale are possible. And I guess an event like that shows you where you actually are, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've I've seen people throw a fit, you know. Oh, damn it, that shouldn't have happened. What the hell is that, you know. Right. Uh, but uh, we, we just enjoyed it. Our, we were completely soaked. We, had, we weren't wearing wetsuits. We wore our day clothes, you know, just hopped on there. And the car key was uh, broken because because we hadn't secured it. Uh, so so we arrived back. Uh, we arrived back soaking wet and unable to access our car. And it was still great, you know. It was funny. <laughs> so th- there's many ways to react to so-called crisis and disaster. So-called. And I've had times where I've reacted with anger and frustration and, you know, impatience and, and whatever, and that's possible too. Uh, what what determined that I reacted differently? Mm. I guess it's, it's, it's certainly because I'm immersed in these kinds of teachings, Thomas. That's why. Just like when you get immersed in my books, you you behave differently and react differently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There were different flavors that happened with each book. Narrating each book brought in different things. In fact, one of the books, Hidden Realities, uh, I told you about this. I saw a non-physical being on a hike on the mountain in Colorado. Right. You suddenly saw Hidden Realities. That's That's what I try to do. I try to make a new flavor each time. It influences perception for a while, and then it wears off, and then you're back to who you are, <laughs> or, or whatever. Yeah, whatever you you consume, you know, that's the flavor you carry around for a while. That's why you know, before I go play basketball, I watch basketball. I got the best compliment from a listener just 
couple of weeks ago when uh, she mentioned that there was a particular struggle going on in her world at that time, and she said that she put on one of your audiobooks, and she, she said it immediately, instantly lifted her energy level and was just saying thank you for that because she needed the boost, and there it was. And I responded back that, yeah, you should have, you know, try narrating them. I mean, you, it was a constant bath in high energy. But you know that somebody could take a book and elevate their energy from those words is a great salute to the work, Fred, for sure. Well, well that's the whole point. That's, that's, that's why I write. I want to write so that it's elevating and not uh, declining and, and pulling down. So that it's elevating because, you know, I see all the data and information in the news, which kind of brings you down. You watch the news, it really brings you down. Don't watch the news. Thought, yeah, no, I thought, <laughs> okay, I'm going to put out material that lifts people up. And yeah. that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, or for as long as uh, the news is so negative. And so I to counterbalance that, that's what I do. I, I want to write an article that uplifts, 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 uplifts. And there's so much work to do. I mean, today I come to you and you tell me, oh, I know 25 people who've hit rock bottom. And I'm like, oh, well, when's the work ever done? You know, yeah, <laughs> it, it never is. And that's the give back. I, I'll tell you what, I will never forget where I was in 2007, 2008. And for me, it's every day of doing this is uh, a never forget day. Obviously, there's attractive energy there that People are finding my podcast because they're at a bottom. And what was the beginning of my podcast about? The journey back, the journey out. And um, and I'll, I'll just as we're continuing on, we'll never forget that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking a few minutes out of your day to visit with us here and really appreciate. Thank you for the insights and for, uh, you know, just for telling the story verbally. Oh, my, my wife just came back. Uh, from shopping. I'm going to help her carry stuff in. All right. You tell her hello for me and from Majana as well. And thank you again for the time. All right. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, Fred's work has meant so much to me. And I think that was one of the best interviews yet that we've done. And we've done a couple of good ones for sure. But, you know, I can echo exactly what he said in my own life from not functional and really not going in a good direction to having studied and learned and mentored from this guy. He has become to me what you hear Bob Proctor talking about who Earl Nightingale was to him, just that mentor of that you revere because they're walking a path that you want to walk and they're showing you the way. And everything from the levels of energy to the awareness paying attention to the things going on around you, and then doing the work. Like he said, doing the work, sitting down with the journal and figuring out what's not working in my life right now. That is so key. That's exactly what I did. Stumbled onto it. I didn't have a great mentor telling me, oh, here's what you need to do. Just stumbled onto it. But that's exactly the process that I did to start turning my life around. And I'll tell you what, I would not trade this journey for anything. Fred, thank you very much for stopping by. We really appreciate it. Always love hearing from you. And until next time, I'm Thomas Miller. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the journey.
The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.